Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into How You Say It, a thought-provoking exploration of the profound impact our speech has on shaping society. Published in 2020, this book uncovers the intricate ways in which nuances like accents, word choices, and linguistic idiosyncrasies become intertwined with our identities and influence our perception of others. Through a blend of meticulous research and insightful analysis, How You Say It invites readers to consider how the subtle facets of language can perpetuate societal structures and social biases. About the author, Professor Catherine D. Kinsler is a distinguished figure in the field of psychology with dedicated expertise on the intersection of language and social interaction. She serves at the University of Chicago and has contributed her knowledge to the New York Times, Quartz, and an array of respected academic journals. This book is a must-read for social scientists keen on deepening their understanding of the societal role of language. It's equally enlightening for individuals who take great interest in the nuances of their speech, as well as for those who seek to unravel and challenge their unconscious biases. Join us as we succinctly unpack the compelling arguments and insightful revelations presented by Catherine D. Kinsler in How You Say It. How You Say It, Why You Talk the Way You Do and What It Says About You. Introduction, Unlock the Secrets of Speech, How Language Influences Perception and Social Identity. Welcome, dear listeners, to a riveting exploration of the spoken word, where even a simple hello carries a universe of social nuance. We're diving into the labyrinth of language, where each utterance can uphold or dismantle a myriad of cultural constructs, often without us even being aware of it. Today, we'll unwrap the intricate tapestry of language, where psychology and sociology intertwine, shaping not only how we communicate, but also how we are perceived. By the world at large. Prepare to discover the early stages of speech that influence our unique accents, explore the unconscious biases that linger within seemingly innocent chit-chat, and ultimately comprehend why our manner of expression often eclipses the actual words we select. Throughout our journey you'll encounter surprising insights, such as how orcas exhibit their own dialects, the unexpected reasons behind our prioritization of voice over appearance, and the verbal cues that effortlessly classify teenagers into social archetypes like jocks or burnouts. Now let us delve into the paradox of language, where the how can be mightier than the what, in a tapestry so intricate it is woven with the very threads of our societal fabric. Part 1. Discover how our identities shape the nuances of our speech. Imagine growing up in the deep southern embrace of Texas, where traditional values pervade every aspect of life. This was the world of David Thorpe. Born into a culture that viewed homosexuality with scorn, David didn't embrace his true identity until his college years. Emerging proud and gay, his friends and family noticed a peculiar transformation, one that transcended his sexual orientation. His manner of speaking had distinctly changed. But this alteration extended beyond David. It is a subtle dance many gay men find themselves part of. The fascinating question arises, 
How did coming out transform the very nuances of his speech when there was no physical change to his vocal cords? The answer unveils a potent truth. Our speech is not merely a product of biology, but an embodiment of identity, influenced by the invisible hands of societal norms. Here's the key takeaway. The way we speak is shaped by subtle social forces. It's human nature to categorize, to sort ourselves into groups based on a myriad of labels, nationality, religion, sex, or even sports team allegiance. Some distinctions are deeply entrenched in societal importance, while others are passing fancies. Amidst these classifications lies a crucial yet often overlooked aspect, linguistic groupings. Our speech is a powerful compass in the social landscape. We gravitate toward those who weave their words similarly, aligning accents, inflections, and tones. When we assimilate into new groups, our speech morphs, subtly or dramatically, to mirror those around us. Sociolinguist Penelope Eckert's 1980s research shed light on this phenomenon, especially among the youth. At a snapshot of high school life, she found a linguistic chasm between the jocks and burnouts, despite shared backgrounds. A simple word like lunch revealed one's tribe, pronounced distinctly in each camp. And such linguistic allegiances are not static. They evolve. The 1990s brought the rising inflection known as upspeak, a hallmark of the valley girl stereotype, while today's generation gravitates toward vocal fry, eliciting a low, gravelly cadence. Older generations might scoff, deeming these trends irksome or unprofessional, yet it's a testament to our inherent leanings toward our linguistic kin. In the melody of our words and the rhythm of our sentences, we discover the profound connections between who we are and how we speak each intonation wrapping around our social identity like a second skin. Part 2. Early exposure paves the way for language learning prowess. Envision two literary giants, Joseph Conrad, a soul with roots in Poland, and Vladimir Nabokov, a talent born of Russian heritage. Both penned their masterpieces in the English language, yet Conrad's voice carried the heavy cadence of Poland while Nabokov's speech bore only a whisper of his Russian beginnings. How could their mastery of English differ so starkly in form? The hidden variable lay in their childhoods. Nabokov's ears were attuned to English from an early age, thanks to an English-speaking governess, while Conrad's acquaintance with the language came much later. Herein lies a tale of linguistics. Youth is a golden season for language acquisition. The younger you are, the easier it is to absorb the symphony of a new language. Anyone who has faced the trials of language learning later in life can attest to the challenge. Meanwhile, multilingual children grace the stage of conversation with seemingly effortless fluency, an apparent gift, yet one nestled in the very fabric of their developing minds. The malleability of the youthful brain is an unwritten linguistic law. It welcomes new tongues with open arms. Contrastingly, Achieving such linguistic finesse in later years, though not an impossibility, is akin to navigating a more arduous path toward fluency. Consider one revealing study evaluating the American Sign Language proficiency among those who acquired it at different life stages, infancy, toddlerhood, and adolescence. As anticipated, the earlier learners displayed a command of the language that bordered on native 
while adolescents struggled to iron out their errors, even after years of practice. The decline in language acquisition prowess begins to rear its head around age seven, and by 20 years old, the descent levels off, painting a picture where young adults and their elders share similar capacities for learning anew. Dedication can indeed unlock a new linguistic realm for any adult, but the spectral nuances, those delicate threads of grammar and pronunciation, often remain out of reach. And so it unfolds. The native language is inherently the most intimate. Research even suggests that one's original language resonates with a deeper emotional timbre, as demonstrated by the more robust physical reactions to expletives heard in one's mother tongue. So, while the meanings may be understood, the new language never quite dances with the same emotive vibration against the heartstrings of the brain. Part 3 The Power of Language A Tool for Unity or a Weapon for Division Cast your mind to the dusty roads of Soweto, South Africa, on the tumultuous day of June 16, 1976. Visualize throngs of impassioned students, their voices united and resolute, demanding the right that flows as naturally as breath, the right to their own language, their cultural symphony of words. Amidst apartheid's dark veil, the ruling National Party decreed that Afrikaans, the language of the oppressors, was to be the singular language allowed in their schools. This stark eradication of native languages, such as Zulu and Swana, was a piercing strike to the heart of their identity. The bitter cry of the Soweto uprising was a testament to one profound message. Language can bring people together or drive them apart. The golden thread of shared language weaves individuals into a tapestry of kinship and belonging. Yet it is this same yarn that can outline the border between us and them. An accent unfamiliar to our ears marks the speaker as alien, another, a phenomenon so pronounced that even the untrained ear of a toddler can perceive it. The unity that language offers can inadvertently morph into a sword when wielded for dominance. From historical attempts, like Francisco Franco's suppression of Basque and Catalan, to contemporary judgments passed on accents, unfamiliar or deemed inferior. Language has borne the weight of power plays. Consider accent attitudes. The value judgments placed on the way one speaks. They can ingrain harmful stereotypes, leading one to believe that an individual with a southern twang holds more warmth, or unfairly deeming African-American vernacular as less knowledgeable. The corrosive touch of accent attitudes doesn't merely linger in societal perceptions, but can seed doubt within, cultivating what is known as linguistic insecurity. The inner turmoil might cause a fluent non-native speaker to second-guess their words, to fall silent in a classroom or boardroom. As we delve deeper, we'll encounter the intricate nexus linking language, identity, and prejudice unveiling how the spoken word is far more than sound. It's both a mirror and a chisel, shaping our collective human experience. Part 4. When words weigh more than appearances in our social judgments. Take a journey to a world 40,000 years removed, to misty European forests where early humans roamed. Imagine encountering a stranger among the trees. Back then, the markers we now use to distinguish each other, nationality, race, 
haven't yet come into being. How then do you discern whether this stranger is friend or foe? The most telling sign lies not in their appearance, but in their sound, in the hum and cadence of their speech. If their voice harmonizes with yours, they are kin, an extension of home. And so speech may be the most important category in determining our biases. From the depths of our evolutionary past, a primal instinct urges us to categorize each other as allies or adversaries. This has been a survival tool distilled through the eons, one that now manifests in today's societal divides such as racism. Yet, the demarcation lines of language and speech, evidence implies, are even more primordial. The animal kingdom echoes this, with creatures like baboons and orcas using calls and accents to decipher social ties and distinctions among their kind. The hierarchy of our biases, whether race or language ranks supreme, has been the focus of intriguing studies. Consider an experiment where participants were asked to identify faces as German or Italian, initially judging by skin tone. But introduce voice into the mix, fluent German versus German with an Italian accent, and perceptions shift. Skin tone recedes into the background. It's the authenticity of speech that now frames identity. This reveals a potent truth. The echoes of our language can overshadow the visage we present to the world. Our inherent trust and social categorizations are tuned not just by sight, but resonantly, and perhaps more deeply, by sound. Part 5. Children's perceptions of language shape their worldview from the start. Consider the enchanting worlds of Aladdin, The Lion King, and The Jungle Book where animated adventures capture the imaginations of children globally. These tales spin magic, song, and unlikely friendships, but they may also inadvertently weave in a less savory lesson, skepticism towards foreign accents. In these cinematic universes, the heroes often articulate in flawless American English, while the villains and comical sidekicks are marked by their pronounced non-standard accents. The regal tones of Mufasa starkly contrast with Scar's sinister British inflection, painting a vivid picture of good versus evil. This storytelling choice is far from inconsequential, as linguistic biases, the subtle shading of one form of speech over another, begin to take root in the malleable minds of the young. The key message here is, linguistic biases emerge at a very young age. The foundation for linguistic bias is laid even before a child takes their first breath. The voices that swathe the womb, predominantly the mother's, become the musical score the newborn seeks in their newfound world. This innate preference has been the subject of various studies as researchers delve into the reactions of infants to different linguistic sounds. In one such experiment, babies exposed to English from birth were presented with English-speaking and French-speaking adults each extending a toy. Invariably, infants reached for the comfort of the familiar, the toy offered by the English speaker. This inborn attraction to the familiar continues through childhood. When asked to pick friends from a series of images, children often gravitate toward those who share their racial background. However, introduce the element of voice, and children bypass racial commonalities, instead choosing peers with similar accents. It illuminates a powerful truth. For a child, the voice carries inordinate significance in understanding their environment, 
Initially driven by instinct, this linguistic bias can solidify into stubborn stereotypes, urged on by the recurring media motifs of who speaks the hero's tongue and who bears the villain's accent. These early, seemingly innocent impressions, laid down by the characters children grow to love or fear, are not just fleeting fancy. They can influence societal views that last a lifetime. Part 6. Accent Discrimination a quiet but widespread form of bias. Meet Manuel Fragante, a prime candidate for a position at the Department of Motor Vehicles. Equipped with a formidable resume, a decorated veteran, a high school valedictorian, and the holder of a law degree. His knowledge and skills topped even the civil service exam. Yet, when the opportunity seemed so close, it slipped through his fingers not for lack of competence, but for the sound of his voice. Fragante, originating from the Philippines, carried his accent into the interview room. Perfect grammar notwithstanding, he was deemed a poor communicator and passed over. What ensued was a legal battle for discrimination, a battle he ultimately did not win. The judicial system concluded that accent-based job denial did not equate to discrimination, a telling insight into pervasive societal sentiments. Discrimination based on someone's accent is not only widespread, but also commonly accepted. It's a peculiar paradox. While every person speaks with a particular lilt or rhythm, accents are not viewed through the same prism. Often the reaction to an accent is less about its phonetic qualities and more about ingrained societal perceptions. Misconceptions that accents constitute communication barriers. Consider American students who often claim that instructors with foreign accents are difficult to comprehend. Studies, however, have spun a different tale. When students believe they are listening to a native speaker, they transcribe accented speech without hitch. It's the expectation of not understanding that hinders their comprehension more than the accent itself. This accent bias plays out in various societal scenarios, like the housing market, Researchers sent out two Hispanic individuals with matching profiles but differing accent strengths on home buying pursuits. The results were stark. The one with a heavier accent encountered more rejections. The courtroom is another battleground where this bias lurks. Witnesses speaking in standard English are often seen as more trustworthy, putting those with non standard accents at a disadvantage, potentially skewing the scales of justice. To weave a fabric of fairness into society's folds, this subtle yet significant form of discrimination is one that demands attention and change. And Part 7. The Cognitive Superpowers of Bilingual Children When faced with the simple description of a creature with whiskers and a twitching tail, children from every corner of the globe can identify the animal within a heartbeat whether it's cat to the English speaker or gato to the Spanish one. But what of the child straddling two cultures, whose world is painted with the brushstrokes of both English and Spanish? With seamless agility, they switch gears, replying in the language of the one who posed the question. Contrary to dated assumptions, the monolingual myth, that posit bilingualism as a confusing ailment to a child's linguistic progress, this form of upbringing is not just harmless, but potentially enhancing. Growing up bilingual can make you sharper and more perceptive. 
historically clouded by flawed research that attributed cognitive delays in bilingual children to their linguistic environment, the truth has since been illuminated. When assessing bilingual children through a more comprehensive lens that includes both their languages, their vocabulary equates to that of monolingual peers. Their linguistic dexterity is guided by the complementarity principle, a testament to their adept cognitive abilities as they use one language for certain concepts and another for different ones. Far from a hindrance, bilingual childhoods boast numerous cognitive advantages. An upbringing amidst the interplay of two languages fosters greater mental agility, enhancing one's capacity for abstract thought and problem-solving. These bilingual minds display an elevated aptitude for empathy, as studies reveal their superior talent in intuiting others' mental states. Moreover, bilingualism seems to don the armor of resilience against the advance of age-related disorders such as dementia and Alzheimer's, serving as a cerebral fountain of youth. Therefore, the path forward shines clear, a celebration of linguistic diversity in educational and social fabrics alike. Schools should eagerly introduce second languages at tender ages, and communities must uphold the value of mother tongues. Through commitment to early language development, we lay the groundwork for a future less constrained by linguistic barriers and more abundant in cultural exchange and understanding. Final Summary In the rich mosaic of human interaction, the nuances of our speech do far more than simply relay information. They are a canvas showcasing our cultural and social identities. Our choice of words, the lilt in our voices, and the rhythm of our accents blend to form a subtle yet powerful portrait of who we are and where we stand in society. Language has the remarkable capacity to unify, creating bonds and shared understandings across communities. However, this same power can also divide, distinguishing us from them based on nothing more than intonation or dialect. These linguistic markers can reinforce societal biases, influence perceptions of intelligence, and affect opportunities for individuals. We've uncovered that accent discrimination is not only prevalent but has long been overlooked in its pervasiveness. From courtroom credibility to job opportunities, the way we speak can unjustly open doors for some and close them for others. Yet amidst the challenges, we find that bilingualism emerges as a beacon of cognitive and social benefits. Bilingual children often have enhanced perception, problem-solving skills, and empathetic abilities, illustrating that exposure to multiple languages from an early age can be truly advantageous. To foster a world richer in fairness and connection, the embrace of linguistic diversity shines as a critical initiative. By nurturing the next generation in a multilingual environment, we lay the foundation for a more understanding and inclusive global community. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. 
Until then, happy reading and happy listening.